0: bless my heart this morning to be reminded that all this mess is going to be made right one day. I'm thankful for the comfort that we can take in our Lord in this life. That He helps us through difficulties and trials and and, um, good things and blessings and bad things. He helps us through all of it. I'm thankful for that. But I'm also looking forward to the day that we won't need that anymore because everything has been made right. I used to not understand that mindset and I guess I'm old enough now to start to understand it. Someday the king's coming and he's going to fix all of this. New heaven and new earth. And then all there will be is continual praise, honor and glory to God. You imagine the best moments in your life, the most peace, the most joy, the most fulfillment in the Lord, and that's a glimpse of how heaven will feel. That's why we want you to go, why I want to go, why I want you to be there. We'll be reading this morning from Psalm 116. I want to give you a minute to turn there, I want us to read it all together, and uh, I'm going to do something that I doubt I've done at this church, I want to ask you to stand while I read it. We're just going to read through while you're standing, and then when we're done with that, you can sit back down, and I'll I'll go verse by verse and preach. But let's stand, if you're able. Why are we doing this? Not because I have some religious routine. No. Not because I saw somebody else do it. Because the Lord deserves our reverence, our honor, our attention. And this is one little way, as a congregation today, we can stand as we read this psalm and recognize Him for who He is and what He's done. Psalm 116. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, so if you're reading King James or a different one, it might be just slightly different. Psalm 116, verse 1. I love the Lord, because He has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because He inclined His ear to me. Therefore, I will call on Him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me the pangs of Sheol laid hold on me I suffered distress and anguish then I called on the name of the Lord O Lord I pray deliver my soul Gracious is the Lord and righteous our God is merciful the Lord preserves the simple When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed even when I spoke. I'm greatly afflicted, I said in my alarm. All mankind are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all His benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all His people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. O Lord, I am Your servant. I am Your servant, the son of Your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to You the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all His people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. You could be seated. Thanks for, for standing with me. I have been studying all week a, a different message. This is one of those times that uh, I guess the Lord was preparing my heart for, to preach at some other time. But this is what's on my heart for this morning. And I don't have a plan or any notes, literally. I mean, just the Bible today. And we're just going to go through and pray that the Lord leads this how He wants it to. The first uh, thing I want to mention is, we believe David wrote this psalm. It's not really clear if he wrote it about a particular occasion, like a particular event or not. But as we read through it, I think we'll see that this applies both to the day the Lord saved his soul and to his whole life as a child of God. Maybe that's why he didn't identify like he did in other Psalms. I wrote this when I was running away from this person. Because this applies always for the child of God. We know David had a, a heart after the Lord's own heart. And we get a glimpse into what that means in a passage like this. If we could get something of a handle on this, this will let us know how we should... Serve the Lord. First of all, I love the Lord. Is that true? Can you say that with confidence, boldness, and joy? Or if you say it, do you have a little bit of hesitation and a little bit of like, I'm afraid to say it too loudly because I'm not sure if I'm really all in. Brothers and sisters, I want to begin this morning by telling you, you can be all in, you can shout that to the rooftops. And be sure... You can say, I love the Lord. Now, why? Now, there's many of religious people who teach that, well, you wouldn't love the Lord if you weren't saved. Well, you might think you love Him and you might not be saved. So let's don't go down that path. But the path we can go down is what David taught us here. I love the Lord because He has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy because He has inclined His ear to me. Therefore, I'll call on Him as long as I live. Brothers and sisters, if any of us love the Lord, it is because He first loved us. Before God saved my soul, I think I was a pretty decent kid. I was raised with manners in, in the South and taught to act a certain way and people thought I was nice. I didn't do bad things. I didn't do graffiti or tear up buildings. Or, I didn't even like when my friends wanted to go toilet paper houses on Halloween. I never did that. I, didn't, I never was comfortable with that sort of activity. But you know what? I didn't love the Lord. No matter how polite I was, no matter how many manners I had, no matter how well my mother trained me, I didn't love the Lord. In fact, all those years that I was lost from the moment that He showed me I was separated from Him, we'll talk about that more in this psalm, until the day that I surrendered unconditionally, all of those years, Scripture teaches me, not only did I not love Him, I was in rebellion and I was His enemy. We've got a world full of people who believe that they can do certain activities, certain actions, that they can do nice things and that will somehow be enough. Some people, you see this in movies and you see this at funerals, that people hope that they can have enough uh, good actions to outweigh the bad. Not going to happen. You can't love the Lord unless you've been saved by Him, unless He's first loved you. Now, we know that God loves the whole world. We know that. And when the Lord calls out to you, This is the very beginning of loving the Lord. He reaches out to us with His Holy Spirit. And when you're not saved and God tries to interact with you, it's uncomfortable. You know why? Because you're wrong. He's not. But light has no fellowship with darkness. And until God saves you, it is difficult to be in His presence. But He loves you. I don't know who needs to hear this, if it's somebody here or somebody on the recording later, but I want every person listening to this to know, if you haven't been saved by the grace of God and He reaches out to you and He, whatever term you want to use, He knocks on your heart, He draws you, whatever you want to call it, but there's something that happens inside that will make you uncomfortable. It might make you want to get out of here. It might make you want to get out of the building. It might make you want to not go to church. I remember when I was lost in all the revivals my mother took me to, uh, there were some I didn't want to go to because it was hard and I was miserable. Do you know why I was miserable? God was loving me with His Holy Spirit and I couldn't stand it. That's what conviction is. It's loving for God to show you how messed up you are. And brothers and sisters, that applies to us as His saved children too. It's loving when God corrects us of our errors. I love the Lord because He has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because He has inclined His ear to me. You think about this, the King of glory, the Lord of lords, The I don't even know how to describe Him. He's high and lifted up and mightier than anything we can imagine. The very fact that not only does He reach down with His Holy Spirit, draw us to a place of repentance, but then He bends His ear down to listen metaphorically. Oh, that's why we love Him. Because He responds when we need Him. Because he listens to my voice and my pleas for mercy. If you're ever going to truly love the Lord, there's something that's going to happen. God's going to draw you. There's going to be your voice crying out, the voice of your heart at least, and pleas for mercy. Oh Lord, have mercy on me. I don't know what words that you will say or what words you said when God saved you, but we can be sure of this. If you didn't repent, if you didn't pray, if you didn't seek Him, you don't know Him. So many people have been taught that you get to a certain age and you get baptized, or you get to a certain age and you make a decision, or you fill out a card, or you shake somebody's hand. None of those things can change you. The only thing that can change you is the power and presence of God, and until you have that experience of salvation, you're not really going to love Him. No matter how hard you try. But those of us who have experienced that, we recognize that we love him because he's done something for us that's greater and bigger than anything we could ever describe. David follows that up in the end of the second verse by saying, Therefore I will call on him as long as I live. Isn't it something? that so many of us what it took for us to be saved we don't do much of it after that calling on the name of the lord i've gone to a lot of churches a lot of church services over the years helped in different revival efforts gone to listen to other preachers and i go to these revival efforts they call them revivals and I, and i see the, all this emphasis on trying to force people to pray And then I see the very same people who are trying to force lost people to pray not calling on the name of the Lord, not crying out in brokenness, not on their faces before God. It's a very strange thing to behold. David said, I love the Lord because He listened to my voice when I cried to Him. He inclined His ear to me and therefore I will continue to call on Him and cry out to Him and beg Him for His help and mercy for the rest of my life. You want to see lost people saved? We need to get to the place that that's still true of us. This is not something we have to convince somebody to do. When people come in that don't know the Lord yet, and God's people are so humbled before Him, and so moved by Him, that involuntarily we're on our faces before Him. Now I know some of you physically can't do that, but God sees your heart, and He knows if your heart is bowed down before Him. In that kind of environment, you won't have to invite somebody to the altar. The Holy Spirit will. All of this starts with us, children of God, brothers and sisters. God has saved us. He has done a work in us. He's done something for us that's so amazing that I can't describe it. And one of the best ways, we could never repay Him, but one of the best ways we could honor Him for what He's done is to continue to call on Him as long as we live how come sometimes after you've been saved we just kind of stop praying? I'm not talking about everybody. Some of y'all have continued to seek the Lord, continued to call on Him. But a lot of times that's the thing that goes first. You can look around churches and see that. There's lots of programs and activities. There aren't very many prayer meetings anymore. And even when a church, a congregation is trying to do that, they'll call it a prayer meeting and then you go and then there's there's not really any prayer. There's a bunch of prayer requests, some scripture, and maybe just a little bit of prayer. And I'm not criticizing my brothers. I'm saying this is the most important thing we can do as a congregation is pray. That's worship. I've I've told you all this. I, you know this. the The definition of the word worship scripturally means to bow down on your face. We do that through prayer. Now, we sing, and the singing is good, and and I love the songs this morning. They bless my heart. And that's another way to praise God. But the best way to worship Him is through prayer. So the most important thing we can do, and I know you know this, but I feel the need to remind us, is pray. If we start having more activities here, I hope the first thing we do is have a real prayer meeting. Before more Sunday school classes, before anything else. That's what we need. And then the Lord will guide us what else we should be doing. Now, David describes, beginning in verse 3, what it feels like to be separated from God. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol, or hell, or the grave laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. <laughs> Depending on how old you are and how, much, how many years you've spent, living life your own way, uh, the heaviness of your sin may feel different. I hear young people or people who were young when God saved them tell about their testimonies and it's not that complicated. I think of my mama's testimony. The Lord saved her when she was eight. And I don't want to tell her testimony, but I, I, I've heard her tell it enough that it always touches my house. She says, he's, he saved me Was it before you even got to the aisle. It was just making that first move. God was dealing with her, and she didn't even have physical tears, but her heart was crying. She, she saw herself inside crying out to the Lord. That's a very simple experience. You take me, I was lost for five years, it was a lot more complicated. You take some wicked old man who lived his whole life the way he wanted to, and it might be a lot more complicated. What am I telling you? If you're young and you don't know the Lord yet, seek Him while you're young and tender. I pray for that for my little girl and my little cousins and all the little children and I know that God will deal with them and they'll surrender just as soon as they know because it's not worth waiting. But it feels bad. The conviction of the Lord feels bad. That's how David described it, like being grabbed hold of by the grave. Well, what do you do when you feel that way? Again, religion may teach you to go see the pastor, go see this person, go do this thing. tell you what you need to do. Go see God. And every one of you who have been saved by the grace of God, that's what happened. You went to see God. You went to Him. And He gave you peace. So what David says, fourth verse, When I felt this suffering, anguish, despair, trouble, then I called on the name of the Lord, O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Now, he doesn't go on and say in the language we use, like, then I got saved. But that's exactly what happened. Because listen to the transition in how he felt and who he was. He went from being afraid of death and feeling like the grave was grabbing a hold of him, and then he's saying, after I called on the Lord, gracious is the Lord and righteous our God is merciful. Why does he feel that way? Because he experienced the mercy and grace of God. You don't have to know all the right words to say But when God changes you, you know. And as a side note, brothers and sisters, we don't need to overcomplicate salvation. It's very simple. I didn't say it was easy. But we don't need to make it easier than God made it. We don't need techniques or routines or strategies. It's simple. When God deals with you, seek Him. The end. You do anything else other than that, you better be sure God's in it. Because the Holy Spirit, that part of His role, part of His purpose, part of His identity is to convict and reprove the world of sin. That's not your job. You can't do that. I can't do that. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts and reproves, and then He's the one who gives assurance. So David prays, and, and I love this. I don't see him mentioning anybody else being there. Oh, Lord, deliver my soul. The next thing he says, gracious is the Lord and righteous our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. (laughs) I love that. In our culture, we have so much knowledge. We're we're really, if if the scripture ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth ever applied to a time, it applies now. We've got information, the whole information of the world in that little device we carry around in our pockets and our purses, that phone. We've got access to any knowledge we want instantaneously, but do we have the power of God? It's simple. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, He saved me. We know that. If you've been saved by the grace of God, you've been brought low. Why then do so many of us spend so much of our energy resisting being brought low? I save children. We spend so much of our energy trying to seem strong. We spend so much of our energy... I'm preaching to myself today. I don't know if it applies to y'all or not. We spend so much of our... I spend so much of my energy trying to figure things out, trying to help, trying to take care of things, trying to do it, trying to... No! God will help when we're brought low. And this is not just salvation. This is the life of the saved child of God. The Lord preserves the simple. Stop trying to figure it all out on your own, brother and sister. And when you're brought low, he'll save you. He'll help you. Just like he did the day he saved your soul. Then he says, return all my soul to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. What's he talking about? He's talking about getting saved again. I'll tell you what I think. There's at least two meanings to this. I said, this passage, this psalm, David's talking about salvation, but he's also talking about all the rest of his life. This isn't the only time that he prayed and said, return my soul to your rest, the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. How many times have you gone through life, you've lost your peace, you've lost your what sense of being okay, and you call out to the Lord and He makes it all right. That's what David's saying in his own language. This is talking about when he was saved. Listen, before God lets you know you're separated from him, we call that the age of accountability. Is that a scriptural idea? Yeah, it goes all the way back to Genesis. Adam and Eve were created in perfection. They lived in a state of continual peace. They didn't have any problems. They didn't have any weeds. But that'd be, bro, Joe, that would be nice for your garden, wouldn't it? Just grow, you have the just, just the right amount of moisture, just the right amount of everything, the right amount of nutrition, no animals to try to hurt you you don 't the, the, the weather 's perfect you don 't need a house you don 't even need clothes that 's the kind of world they lived in until sin entered the, till they became aware of their sins they didn 't have anything to repent of. that is a picture in biblical form from the beginning of humanity of how the age of accountability works. Now, we don't know what age it is. You might be eight, like my mama. I was nine when the Lord showed me I was lost. I've heard of people who never even knew until they were 18 or older. But when God shows you, when when something awakens in you that I'm not okay anymore, the rest that you used to have inside of you disappears. Before I was lost, I wasn't afraid of anything. I wasn't afraid to die. I didn't have a lack of peace. There was no anxiety. When I was lost, there was. The Lord saved me. He returned my soul to how it was before calm and peaceful. And once He saves you, He can continue to do that. It's not getting re saved. You, you those that the Lord holds on to, He doesn't let go of them. But you can have that peace restored, you can have that joy restored. And I'll just say this, You don't. if you're saved by the grace of God, there's no reason your life should be miserable. It might be hard. That's different. Some of the biggest challenges in my life were when I had some of the most peace. I, I, uh, I try not to mention this too much, but my wife and I talk about that, that month she spent over... Th- I think 33 days in the hospital completely paralyzed and then physical therapy right when we got married 3 weeks after we got married she got sick and I think she would agree with you that was probably the most peaceful enjoyable part of our marriage I'm not kidding we it was it, it, it was hard but it was almost enjoyable that we didn't argue we didn't fight we didn't get annoyed with each other there was no frustration That's what the Lord can do. David continues here in verse 8. You've delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. You ever seen a, a person seeking the Lord in a service? They're bowed down, there's tears pouring, and all of a sudden it changes the tears dry up they're beaming smiling they might not even realize exactly what happened but god changed them he forgave them they're new you say have you seen that before have you experienced that i hope you have and because he says because you've delivered my soul from death my eyes from tears my feet from stumbling i will walk before the lord in the land of the living what is the land of the living It's where the people of God are and where the presence of God is. We're told in Scripture, the way of wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble, but the way of the righteous is as the shining light that shines more and more unto the perfect day. You're saved by the grace of God. Part of what He expects from you is to walk before Him in the land of the living. And I'll say this to the young people, to, to the young men in the back especially, as, God, as you're growing up, I want you to hear this. There's going to be temptations, there's going to be distractions, there's going to be people who want to destroy you, they might seem nice, they might... Don't walk in the land of the dying. It's not worth it. I heard an interview recently of a man who went to prison. He said it was the best thing that ever happened to him because it's what God used to get his attention to break him and save him. But drugs took him there and he talks about how it happened. And the interviewer said, well, when did you get hooked? When did it start? And he said, I snuck into my dad's beer when I was nine. And I was hooked ever since then. Isn't that something? Sad. Just avoid these things of the world. Avoid the bad people. You, you don't need to walk in the land of the dying, young person. I'm telling you, there's a whole life of living Watch who you're around. They'll corrupt you before you'll bring them up. God didn't send you to save the world. He sent Jesus to save the world. All you have to do is serve Him. He'll use you, but it's not your job to save the world. You can't. That's on my heart this morning because the world is intentionally destroying our young people, our young men and young women. They're giving them identity crises. It's not even the temptations that made sense a few decades ago like drugs and alcohol and other things. Now it's uh, mental, psychological things, spiritual things. Don't walk in the land of the dying, walk in the land of the living. And brothers and sisters, those of us who've been on this path a little longer need to model that. We need to encourage it. We need to have, live our lives in a way that our young people see that there's something different. Something better. He says, I believe, 10th verse, I believed even when I spoke. I'm greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. Now, this seems strange in the middle of all of this passage, but I think David is expressing his humanity. There's times that we get to a weak place, a discouraged place. There was one time in my life where I saw several people who were supposedly people of God fall off in deep, grievous sin. And I remember the moment I was outside, I was I was putting a fence around a field late at night, and I just broke down, and that's what I said, Lord, all men really are liars. <laughs> that's how I felt. But you know what, David went on, he didn't dwell on that. There's two verses about it in the middle of all this, and that's it. When you're discouraged that way, when you focus on how broken people are, and how they can't keep their faith, keep their word, whatever it is, don't dwell on it, brother and sister. When your sister or brother offends you, when they make you uncomfortable, make you mad, they hurt your feelings, they do something terrible to you, don't dwell on it. David recognized how broken humanity is, and then you know what he went into immediately? What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? He could have written pages and pages about all the people who wronged him and how bad it was and how it hurt him. Every one of us have been hurt at some point by somebody. And some people more than others. We have to shift from focusing on that and focus on what shall I render to the Lord for all His benefits to me. Well, what shall we? What can we give God? He's been so good. What what can we give him? Here's what David says. I'll lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. You want to please the Lord? Keep calling on Him. Embrace Him just like you did when you were saved. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all of His people. What's he talking about there? I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all of His people. I don't know if y'all did this when you were seeking the Lord for salvation, but I made some promises to Him. Lord, if you'll just save me, I will do anything. I don't know if I realized what I was saying, but I meant it with my heart. That's what unconditional surrender is. Whatever it takes, fix this. I don't care what it costs. Those are vows. You know what David says? The way that we can get past those troubling, heartbreaking times in life, the way we can... It's not repaying him, but it's rendering to the Lord what he deserves. It's by lifting up the cup of salvation, calling on the name of the Lord, paying our vows in the presence of all his people. He doesn't say privately. Isn't that something? That's why I love among our uh, sister churches, the people who worship like us, We allow and encourage public testimony. The Apostle Paul said, let all prophesy. That's what he's talking about. Forget, it's not future telling or fortune telling. Prophesying is speaking of God's goodness under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Or as we might say in our language, saying what God puts on your heart. That's what this is talking about. And David says, part of how I'm going to show the Lord that I appreciate and I'm thankful for what He did for me is I'm going to pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all His people. In other words, I'm going to serve Him without reservation. I'm not going to hold back. Sometimes we're in a service, God puts something on your heart. I hear people, they'll come back three weeks later and say, three weeks ago I was supposed to say this. And the Lord's been beating me up ever since. And I think, why Why'd you do that? If God burdens you to say something, say it. Don't wait till next week. You might not have next week. I want you to think about it before we continue. What did you promise the Lord? Have you been keeping your promise? You've been keeping your vow to Him? You can with His help. Now, this is a transition from David focusing on his own. Uh, needs and and how God comforts him personally. Now he's talking about the people of God collectively. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. That seems maybe odd that this was thrown in here right where it was. But you think about it, it's not odd at all because ultimately this is what we're all moving toward. Every one of us are going to die. Every one of us. It might be individually. It might be when the Lord comes back. I don't know when He's coming back, but we're all going to die. And uh, if you live your life in continual submission and surrender to the Lord, continuing to call on His name, when you die, your death will be precious in the sight of the Lord. Not just precious to your nieces and nephews and grandchildren and, and son or daughters or whoever survives you. God will look down and it will be a precious offering to him. What shall you offer the Lord your life all the way up to the moment of death? It's a beautiful picture to me. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be complicated. The Lord preserves the simple. You don't have to figure out a bunch of stuff. The Lord preserves the humble. All you have to do is serve the Lord, and then when you die, that's going to be a beautiful offering to Him. And then He goes back to Himself. Oh Lord, I am Your servant. I am Your servant, the son of Your maidservant. That's, I love that that. It's precious, not just when God saves somebody, but when He places a child in a family who fears the Lord. How many of you all had God-fearing mothers? Had or have? Your mother feared the Lord, served the Lord. That's part of why we're here. This is part of what what David's saying. The Lord uh, gave me to someone, the son of your maidservant. His mother served the Lord is what he's saying. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving, a call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all of his people. Second time he says that in this passage. It's that important. In the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Simple. Not complicated. Praise the Lord. In the previous chapter, I'll read this as I close. 115 verse 1, he says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Want to give glory to God? Do what you promised. Serve Him. It's not complicated. He'll continue to bless us. I've been saying this for a while. The Lord's working at at this church, at this congregation, Interstitial Church. I see it. I feel it. We experience His presence when we come here. It's not that way in every congregation. I've been to a lot of services where you walk in, walk out, and feel exactly the same. Maybe a little bit irritated that you wasted your time. That's how it feels. I haven't felt that way here. The Lord is with us. Let's be sure we're with Him. And that's how I'm going to leave that message. Uh, if you ever need to seek the Lord, you could do it here. You could do it yourself alone. The most important thing is to go to Him. I want you to know that. And whoever may need to hear that part of the message, if you don't have peace, God can give you peace. Seek Him. Save children of God. God can restore your soul to the rest you used to have. Surrender to Him. Keep seeking Him. Keep serving Him. God bless you all this morning. Love you.